In the past 10 months, as we've kind of dealt with this whole thing called COVID, we seem to have been waiting and waiting. We wait a lot in life just in general. We wait in line. We wait at the doctor's office. We wait in places that we call waiting rooms. We're waiting right now for a vaccine. We're waiting to be able to take off our masks and to have full churches, to be able to be with people without a fear in the back of our minds that they'll infect us or perhaps more pertinently for us as Christians that will infect them. We're waiting for life to return to some semblance of normalcy. So the question that occurs to me, brothers and sisters, is how do we wait? We seem to have a lot of different examples of how people have waited the past 10 months, some better than others. People have used the time to get prepared for the next thing. Others have complained. And probably for the most part, most of us were somewhere in between. Some days we complain. Some days we say, I'm just going to use this time that the Lord has given me the best way that I know how. But the events of the last few months, the waiting we have endured, have taught me something else about waiting. Have you noticed, brothers and sisters, how much time and energy has been spent by all of us in trying to bring human beings together in the past year with all the restrictions that we've had to deal with. For example, my family at the beginning of the pandemic, we had regular Zoom calls, something we'd never done before. We got my grandma on Zoom, right? To at least have some sort of connection, some sort of communication if we couldn't actually be with one another physically. And we continue to be willing to endure rather, sometimes really, annoying circumstances. Things like masks and social distancing and those strange lines at all of the checkout counters. You know, you got to stay a little bit further away. And having our temperatures checked. We continue to endure those things in order to be together. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we do those things to take care of one another. And perhaps more strikingly, you know, as we've endured this past 10 months, we've kind of recognized that taking some risks in order to be in communion with other people is actually a prudent thing to do. It actually helps us. We would rather risk the spread of disease in some cases rather than remain isolated unto ourselves. Now for each of us, that's a decision we have to make with the light of, in the light of the common good, but for ourselves. These examples, Brothers and sisters, the ingenuity, the willingness to take risks of health and life in order to be in communion with other human beings, they show us something fundamental, really fundamental about how we are to wait. It's already implicit in that statement. We wait. 
We wait, not I wait. We wait. To emphasize this in our minds, we might say, as Christians, we always wait together. Brothers and sisters, the church gives us the season of Advent, and Advent is the season of waiting. We look back to the historical waiting of Israel and the longing for a Savior, both in how they waited well and how they failed to wait well in so many ways, in order that we might learn how to wait eagerly for his second coming, his coming in glory. St. Peter reminds us of this so eloquently in his second letter that he is coming. He says, since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be? Conducting yourselves in holiness and devotion, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved in flames and the elements melted in fire. The Lord is coming And we are waiting for him. And how we wait matters as Christians because it determines whether we will be able to welcome the Lord with joy or whether that will be a terrible day for us. As I've said before, we don't get to choose whether or even how long we wait as human beings, but we do get to choose how we wait. We wait because we are human, but how we wait determines whether we will flourish or fail as human persons. How do we wait? We wait as Christians. Like I spoke in my homily last week, we always wait with our eyes fixed on heaven. We wait with our eyes fixed on heaven because we need a heavenly Savior. We recognize that. But as these examples hopefully have made clear, we also intrinsically must wait together. We are not isolated individuals. The Father, without a doubt, knows you as an individual, but your individual self is never isolated from other persons. To be a person means to be in relation to others. No one of us created ourselves. We all have a mother and a father. And more fundamentally even than that, The very fingerprint of God himself is imbued upon our souls. Another way to put this is that Christ comes to save you, but never just you. Our entrance antiphon this morning that we sung, heard sung, reminds us of this fact today. It says, O people of Zion, behold, first the Lord addresses a people He doesn't address an individual. Go look in the Bible. He talks to individuals, but when he talks to individuals, it's always for the sake of the salvation of a people. The Lord will come to save who? Not just an individual, but the nations and make his glory known amongst the nations so that we all might have that joy in our heart. Salvation is together. The Lord, he addresses the people because if natural human life is intrinsically relational, how much more must be the life of grace? 
Brothers and sisters, how do we wait? We wait for salvation not so much as individuals, but in communion with one another. And if that's true, brothers and sisters, the church, which is the communion of persons awaiting the Lord, and this is one reason, by the way, that we've traditionally faced east, or at least all in the same direction as we worshipped in liturgy, is not extrinsic, is not something foreign to salvation, is not something external to the process of salvation, but rather essential to it. The church is not incidental to salvation, but from its very beginning. Being in the church, in the body of Christ, in the communion of persons waiting for the Lord, is salvation. And this is why the church is taught throughout the centuries and continues to do so extra ecclesium nulla salus. Outside of the church, there is no salvation. Because salvation is being in communion with the body of Christ. The mystical body of Christ. Pope Benedict offers a pertinent reflection here. He says in one of his general audiences, our faith is truly personal only if it is also communal. It can only be my faith only if it dwells in and moves with the we of the church, only if it is our faith, the common faith of the one church. The we, in other words, of the church is essential and precedes every individual I of faith. In a few moments, we'll profess the faith, right? I believe in one God. But that I that we can truly say It comes from the we. Communion is at the heart of the church because it's at the heart of the Blessed Trinity. Brothers and sisters, that's what the church teaches. And if all that's true, what keeps us from recognizing the love of God which has gathered us together? And what keeps us from recognizing that we must wait together not separate. Clearly, this communion in our waiting is not always evident. Perhaps I might feel cut off from the body, whether by my sins or those of others. I might be in the dark, so to speak. But I'm not alone. I may feel isolated. John the Baptist, who we heard about in the Gospel today, you can imagine, right, In the gospel, we heard him proclaiming about the words of Isaiah, you know, going out and baptizing and saying, there's one coming who's greater than I, and I'm not even worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. But can you imagine in the bright light of the Judean desert, him saying those, him imagining that years later he would end his life in a dark prison cell? See, the thing is, John, even in that dark prison cell, he was not cut off from the body. He reaches out in relation to the Lord. right? 
So that just as when he was proclaiming Ece Agnus Dei, right? Behold the Lamb of God. He was in communion with God. So also he continues to be in communion. I think we've all had those dark moments in our lives. But you are not outside the communion of the church. The other common experience is that I might feel angry towards one part of the body of Christ or another, right? Divisions like the divisions of the Church of St. Paul's time. He writes a lot about them in Galatians and in Corinthians and every letter, basically. Abound in our time as well, and they're a scandal. They're a scandal to the world. They make the waiting a little bit less tolerable. And this goes all the way down to the most basic kind of unit of the church, which is the family. Division, right? Given those two things that keep us away from, or keep us from recognizing the communion that we actually have in the church, how do we train ourselves to overcome those temptations as we wait? How do we overcome the temptation to isolation, whether because of our sins or because of someone else's, or to anger and division, that idea of us versus them? I want to suggest, brothers and sisters, that a head-on attack, it might have some success. We could just say, I'm going to will this. But that we might be more successful by taking an action of receptivity rather than an active grasping. Remember, we wait with our eyes fixed on heaven first because we need a heavenly Savior. The communion for which we long, for which we are made, and which is embodied in the church, this communion, this communion is most clearly expressed, this side of heaven, in the glorious and full celebration of the liturgy. This is why, though it's not opposed to private devotions such as the, the rosary and things like that, liturgy is not the time for that kind of thing. Rather, it's the time, what we're doing right now, is the time when the profound, pre-existing communion of the mystical body of Christ is made most manifest this side of heaven. This communion which we express through our common worship. Consider the preface dialogue that I'll say in just a few, minute, a few minutes. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God, right? Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Not me, not just you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is the sacrifice, the sacrifice that we celebrate today, which saves us by uniting us to God and thereby by uniting us to extent, in extension to others. Brothers and sisters, the reality is this. We either wait together or we wait miserably. Let the spirit of the liturgy inform your life. Recognize that you are united with Christ and thus in union with his body. Live life accordingly. We wait together with eyes fixed on heaven because we need a heavenly Savior 
and he will save us together.